You're listening to a podcast by the Center for Action and Contemplation. To learn more, visit cac.org. Hey, everybody. Jackie Lewis here. Welcome to this second season of Love, Period. This season, we're focusing our conversations on my new book, Fierce Love, a bold path to ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world. Each of my friends will be helping me to think about the themes in each chapter, nine practical practices that can help us love ourselves, love our posse, and then love the world into healing. It all starts with you, and we're going to give you practical tips to make these practices a part of your life. Today's episode is inspired by the eighth chapter of my book, Fierce Love. Find joy purposefully. It is the water of life. I asked my friend Elisa Sharon Harper to join us today. She is the president and founder of Freedom Road, a consulting program that's designed to change the story on American life. She and I are both fellows at Auburn Seminary and have a similar journey about faith and transition. Joy sustains the work we do. Lisa Sharon Harper. Many of us (laughs) love to say all your names. How are you today? I'm good. I'm wrapped in like a new like scarf that I have that is huge and it makes me feel like a burrito. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, all wrapped up in the heavenly goodness and like, you know, just contained. I need to be contained right now because... My my world is literally like yours, going in a million different directions. Yeah. So that breath, and then also my tea. I'm and your good. blankie. I'm good. You got your kiki. Bl- <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Did you, you call your it. blanket a kiki when you were little? Did you have a nickname for your blanket? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I think we called it my blankie. That was my yeah. blankie. I'm not a kiki. I never heard that one. But you know what? That sounds like you. <laughs> <laughs> it does. My my goddaughter Morgan, who's now is like thirty something, used to call her blanket a kiki, and my little oh. granddaughter Ophelia calls hers simply B. Her blanket oh, wow. is her B, and her B gives oh. her many many joyful moments. That is beautiful. If she's watching really television beautiful. at Nana Pop Pop, we're one word Nana Pop Pop's house, Nana Pop Pop's house, <laughs> then she might not Fabulous. have her B quickly available. So you'll say, okay. do you want Nana's bee? She's like, yes, can I have Nana's bee? <laughs> so, yeah, not cool. <laughs> oh, I love family. I do too. I do too. It's been nice to kind of see your niece in your world yeah. over there on the yeah. Zooms. Does she live in Philly? She lives all the way on the West Coast. She lives in Los Angeles. So I only get to see her a few times a year. And when I do, it's like, ah, you know, I mean, I... I feel like I'm like a second mom to her, but, you know, a distant... Well, really, no. I'm just her favorite auntie. I'm not a second mom. because I just claiming yeah. that favorite auntie, right? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Claim oh, it. By far, yes. <laughs> I am the favorite auntie, yes. Yeah. Um, her grandma, my mother, is just really in her life. Like once a, once a month, she flies in and hangs out with her, takes her out, does stuff. Because my mom and I live together here in Philly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's that working? Do you like it? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, actually, let me say, the process of writing Fortune, that's my next yes. book, yeah. the process of writing Fortune has really brought us even closer together, and mm-hmm. the process of living together has tested that. So 
yeah. Like I we understand. have really, we've literally had it coming from both sides. Um, fortune is right in the center of the way that we have bonded for decades now. Our primary way of bonding, kind of getting past all of our differences. And just recently, I mean, I've kind of figured out the depth of our differences. We are, you know, I'm a three with a four wing on the Enneagram. And we figured out that she's a six with a seven wing on the Enneagram. (laughs) And basically what that means is that um, you know, she she can be a fearful person. She can actually, you know, do the dark scenario thing where she's kind of living in her dark scenarios. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I'm like one of those people who kind of charges. I just charge forward and it's the it's the the rush of charging that gets me past any fear. And I do have fear. It's not like I don't have fear. All of us do. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just charge forward and I get the thing done. Like for me, it's about getting it done. Yeah. Um and and so our conflict, our highest conflict recently has been you know, we're not, you know, you're not doing things in a way that would be secure for us. And I don't feel safe and blah, blah, blah. And, and at the same time, mm. I'm just like, mom, maybe you should stop watching all those slasher movies at night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be going to sleep with Stephen King. Like, you know That's what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Perhaps one should not scare oneself. That could be good. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. enough to be afraid of just in our own freaking neighborhood. We don't need to actually add to it at night before you go to sleep. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I yeah. I mean, but both I of do. us can learn. I I have also taken in my lesson. Okay, I'm being safer, blah, blah. Um, but I think a lot of that also has to do, quite honestly, has to do with the ethic of love. And Absolutely. it has to do with what you talk about all the time, fierce love. Yeah. I really do believe that as I love my neighbors mm-hmm. and including the neighbors on the street who sell the drugs, as I love them, Mm -hmm. get to know them, their names, um, you know, pay them for Mm -hmm. things that they do for me in our household, that I will create a bond that is stronger than security. Mm. You know what I mean? It's stronger because... It is real. Yeah. I believe real. that. Me too. That's been my That's experience great. in the yeah. in the year that we've literally been here a year now. Wow. Um, yeah. One year and one week this week. And so, um, and that's been my experience. I love that. And I'm that. sticking to it. <laughs> I love that. I think that's right. I mean, there mm-hmm. is something about begetting what we put in the world. Yeah. Uh, we beget love if we love. Uh, we mm-hmm. beget safety if we feel safe. I really think yeah. you're right about that. Ooh. I hope that doesn't sound too woo woo, y'all listening, but this like, <laughs> we we create our own ecosystem, I think, is what I hear you saying that I agree we with do. really strongly. Well, I think what it is is uh, here, here, here's, here it is in its essence. I believe that as you move in the world according to your ethic, whatever that ethic is, others rise to that ethic. Yep. So if you have an ethic of fear and you you then operate out of fear and your ethic of fear drives you to try to dominate others, you then will be surrounded by people who dominate and you will have people trying to dominate you because you have put out into the world an ethic of domination. But if you yeah. put into the world an ethic of love, meaning that in every interaction, the goal is to create a connection. In every interaction, the goal is to yeah. weave us back together, this ripped apart world. That's the goal. Right. Then others 
will be blessed by that and they will lean in and they will too. Now, there are the crazies. I know this is true. There are the people who are just anti-social people and, you know, the people who the slasher movies are made about. But I don't <laughs> think that that's going to be the majority. And they are they are out there, right? But that's not the majority of people and not by far. And um, and even them, quite honestly, even people who um, who suffer from that mental illness they're, if they are human, and they are, then they have the capacity. They have the capacity, even if it's a blink, even if it's within a, within a nanosecond, they can, their heart can be reached. It can be. Yeah, it can be changed, yeah. So... Lisa, it's been a year since you and your mom have moved in together and you're discovering each other's, you know, sort of Enneagram compatibility and not and daughter-mother stuff. But one thing I notice about you almost all the time is that not only do you kind of grab things and go, or as you say, charge in, you're kind of, Mm. I don't know if I've ever seen you not joyful. I'm not sure. You have a kind of joyful soul. Wow. And so, like, disavow me of that if I'm wrong. Tell me when you're cranky. And what <laughs> is it that then what is it that re- kind of restores mm. that joy in you? Hmm. That's a great question, Jackie. I mean, it's funny, actually. And I was I was thinking about this with a couple of friends recently. Back when I was in high school, I got introduced to that whole like melancholy, sanguine, um, you know, I don't even know there was like another one col- I don't think yeah, it was choleric. Colic. Colic. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? I, exactly. Sadly, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we actually used that thing back then. Nobody uses that anymore. I know, I know. But I remember telling, I mean, calling myself melancholy. Like, I am melancholy. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was like, and I was. <sighs> but I think back now, I'm like, I'm not exactly sure when the shift happened. Probably... You know, honestly, the shift probably happened around 2005, mm. and there's a reason for that. I can go into that, but um, I'm not there anymore. And mm. I, I would say that my my normal baseline is joy. Mm-hmm. It's not happiness. I'm always happy, mm-hmm. but it is joy. There's a there's a sense of I'm well. Mm-hmm. I'm well, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I get anxious about all kind of crap. <laughs> You know, like everybody yeah. else sometimes. But but at the baseline, I'm okay. I'm good because I believe, I, it really is a, I believe God's got my back. I do. I got, yeah. I, I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it just one good too many you. times to not believe that. And, um, and my mom is not that. My mom is not, that's not her baseline. Her baseline mm-hmm. is melancholy or mm-hmm. sanguine. Maybe it's sanguine mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or sanguine, sanguine. So I, I think that, um the difference for me has really been uh, a process of of owning myself, mm-hmm. like literally. Yeah. That has been the process of going from melancholy to joy. And a lot of it has to do with that transition from mm-hmm. um, being embedded in an evangelical community that was not just evangelical community, but it was really tight-knit um, you know, it was high control, mm-hmm. and I was in it mm-hmm. for a decade. Actually, yeah, a decade. Mm-hmm. And and when I got out of that, 
I had an amazing year in grad school. And it was in that year in grad school that I found my voice again. Hmm. And I heard I found out, well, people actually want to know what I have to say. And hmm. you know, whereas people in that high control area of my life or time in my life had um, they had, they made it their goal to kind of break me down yeah. and show me all the things that are not right with me yeah. in order to build me back up in their image. I swear to you, that's what it was. Oh and my gosh! Yeah, no, that really was. So of course yeah. I was melancholy, right? Like mm-hmm. I look back on it now and I'm like, honey, of course. Of A friend course. of mine said to me while I was in it, and she was in it too, but she said, mm-hmm. Lisa, this is toxic for you. This mm-hmm. is not good for you. Hmm. And I, I. Wanting, like ever the joiner, yeah. ever the person who wants to be accepted, hmm. ever the one who was really operating out of my out of my own brokenness at the time and without the healing, right? Um, feeling always unwanted. I, I, in fact, I, I, I credit that community though with some of the deepest healing that I ever experienced because. You know, while some people were trying to break me down, there were others there who were really the healers in the community, and they they surrounded me. And a whole year was invested in some deep inner healing prayer in that space. So I became hmm. very, very aware of the places where my past, my heritage, um, mm-hmm. you know, intergenerational um, curses and brokenness were passed down. Yeah. And not just intergenerational, but also just stuff, like stuff that happened yeah. and lies that I believed about myself. Oh my so goodness. I began, I went through a year of identifying the lies and claiming the truths about myself. And so that was actually, I have to say, maybe that was like the biggest shift right there. And that's mm. what led me eventually to leave. And yeah. um and then it discover my voice and my own power and live in it, actually walk in it and find out, wow, oh my God, this is what we're meant to do. This How is about what that? I'm meant to be. Yeah. Oh, Lisa, yeah. I love that story. I didn't know it. And I'm so glad you told it. And I really deeply resonate with you making the connection between kind of truth, you know, your true mm-hmm. self, your being in your truth, being mm-hmm. honest, knowing what it is, letting go of the lies and how that leads to joy like right the yeah. space that you make in the world for yourself to be yourself is yeah. is i think a joyful and resilient space I, I, I um i write in my book fierce love something about joy in our superpowers do you remember remember when we went to that first auburn were you there for that first retreat when we were all all the auburn fellows were telling bad stories on ourselves like this is i was I, not you actually. were not there yet i was there the second time the second, the second time, time around yeah second, but tell me i want to know <laughs> well it was it was um it was so interesting it, the exercise was something like um you know talk about a time when you really felt great about a success, you know, when you, yep, I did that really well, which I got to say, mm. sometimes we as Christians or people of faith are discouraged from owning that power. Right. And then true. we also talked about like, this is when I really screwed something up. I really got this wrong. And oh. out of those two narratives, uh, our friend Otis Moss third, you know, named us. So you got yeah. named also by Otis. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it 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 remain it stayed in my body, Lisa, as like, mm. oh, it's at the conjoining of my incredible gifts and my failures that my superpowers mm. come. That it, it, they they come mm. in the in the space both of delicious yeah. goodness that I have, mm. but also mm. in the places yeah. where I'm broken. When I look keenly at it, 
I think there is superpower also, and that gives me joy. Yes. Does that make yes, sense to you? Yes, yeah. yes, right. yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the way the way that I take that in is to say for myself, right, the way that it works is when I think about my superpowers, like my superpower, I and it's funny because I think Otis really nailed it, and I want it to be Storm. I'm like, why can't I be Storm? Come on, Storm, damn it. <laughs> you're already Storm. <laughs> Darn it. You know, I got there one retreat too one late retreat to be Storm. Late. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm just not Storm. I, I wish I was. I'm not. So, I mean, in some ways, some people might say that I am because I, I – you know, I'm just like I'm a catalyst. You can change the weather. Yes, I can, can change the weather. Yes, Hello, somebody. But <laughs> but but actually, the the person he named me, everybody, like we all got our names, um, was um, Cecilia Reyes, and I was like, who's that? You know what I mean? But Cecilia Reyes is somebody who is a healer. That's who she is, and I think that that really is my life vocation. I am a healer. My mom is a nurse. Healing. Like it's You're it kind healer. of is passed down and a registered um nurse, but actually a nurse practitioner. And I I you know, because I went through such deep healing, when I look out at society, I am asking the question, how do we heal that? How do we repair mm-hmm. that? That's part, that's part of the reason why my book is actually, you know, the the subtitle. How race broke my family right. and the world, and how to repair it all. I actually wanted to say how to heal it yeah. all, but they were like, "Well, repair sure. sounds better." <laughs> so, anyway, I, I, um, I, I think that the space where that healing needed to be done in me, yeah, the healing that I needed. So it's actually the place of my brokenness, but not just my brokenness, my healing, where yep. that meets the world's greatest needs. Yeah. Wow, that's where I show up. That's, that's awesome. I, yeah. Reminds me of that Beekner definition about calling, right? Like mm. what Frederick Beekner says, um, uh, where the world's greatest needs and your greatest gifts meet is call, yeah. is vocation. And I'm wow. sure someone's going to say, that's not exactly right, Jackie, but I'm paraphrasing there. No, that's yeah. exactly, that that's is right. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Lisa... Mm-hmm. You know, you said, I'm not happy all the time, but I'm joyful. Sometimes when I'm talking about joy, I go, look, y'all, don't get stuck on the difference between happiness and joy. Oh. <laughs> because I got, cause it got mansplained to me one time, and it just, I just resisted it. But, oh. Oh. But, but in this conversation, I'd love to know mm. what you think of as happiness like versus what you think of as joy. Tell me what you think. Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me, joy is the reservoir that I draw from at the well, Mm -hmm. right? So the well of life and sustenance and creativity and spirit Mm -hmm. connection um, and communal. Like for when my mom and I go at it and we have gone at it like in recent days, Mm -hmm. um, joy is what brings me back, right? Joy Mm -hmm. is... Is is also hope. Joy is hope as well, right? Because you may not be joyful in that moment or happy, right? In that moment, but joy knows that there's a reservoir deep beneath the surface you can draw from, and it's Mm. always, always accessible, always, Um, because that reservoir for me and in my faith tradition says that God is never ever ever not present. God is always present. God is mm-hmm. always committed to me. Even yeah. when everything around me says, nope, 
God says, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> And yes. so I hold on to that, oh, yes, yep. I do. And that, that is what mm-hmm. gives me joy. That's joy. This, so mm-hmm. you're this, this um, place where faith in the holy other, the holy, or the holy, the yeah. holy within us also, right? The holy well, one that is God. You say holy of, within us, and mm-hmm. I and I and I say. I mean, my theology is kind of. I'm taking that in, and I'm considering that. But I actually yeah. do believe that God is other than us, mm-hmm. um, and I, I. I mean, I get that right from the first page in the Bible, from the word likeness, right? And that means mm-hmm. something. It really means a lot, actually. The reason why I I would I fight for that is because the that word likeness we are made in the image and likeness of God, um. And actually, if you split the hair, it's really not saying we're like God. What it's really saying is we are like God, but we are not God. In other words, and I think that this is the principal sin, actually, of people of European descent through history, is that they have been um, striving to be God, to be God over all others, to be supreme. That's what mm-hmm. white supremacy is all about. Yeah, Whiteness was that. created in order to create a supreme race mm-hmm. in our nation that would be the ones to rule. That was the whole purpose of it. Right. So, well, what do you do when you do that? That means you're crushing the image of God in others. Yeah. You're ignoring the image of God in others when you do yeah. that. So, yeah, I, I think that. that's why that first page is so significant in the Bible. And so that word likeness is a caution to us not to try to be God, because only mm. God can be perfect. God's concern with us is not to try to be perfect. Only God can be perfect. Only God knows everything. We don't need to try to know everything. Yeah. In um, fact, that might have been what that original sin was about, was trying to get hello. Too up in there. Yes, and control too much. Control too much. Is there life after doom? Explore the complexity of hope and grief at our upcoming event, Courage and Resilience, an online gathering with Brian McLaren. Unpack themes from Brian McLaren's new book, Life After Doom. Discover how to find courage, even when everything may feel hopeless. Join us live on May 17th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. All those who register will have access to the recorded replay for one year. Register at cac.org courage. I love your kind of theology of resisting that be God because it causes white supremacy. Yeah. And I would say as a womanist theologian also, mm-hmm. I claim, I love that first page, and I love, 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 love First John 4. Oh. In this place where, where you know, you can tell the joining community is writing about they're like, hello, Jewish people. You'll get this. You know, <laughs> God is love. Yeah. And everyone who tabernacles in love tabernacles in God, and God tabernacles in them. So yes. I think about being a wandering people I right across see. the desert. Yes. And there's no, mm-hmm. like, where's God? Well, God's right here in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. We got God. The temple's gone. Let's go. So yeah. the, the, this idea of then we become a tabernacle of the holy. So you're right, that. Lisa. The, the sin of being God has really messed up human life. Yes. But I think an anecdote and maybe a place of my joy comes Mm -hmm. when I think to myself, in my best moments, Sunday I preached at Riverside Church, and it was just one of these moments where, you know, 
my little closet charismatic self. I was like, oh my God, the Holy Spirit is like right here. Bam, bam, bam. I felt it, right? <laughs> I love and, that. Right? I yes. felt it, right? And that mm-hmm. place where I knew in the core of my bones that I was channeling what spirit, what God's spirit was saying through me. Mm. And I was ecstatic joy, Lisa. Yeah. Ecstatic joy. And it felt like proof texting that sometimes Mm. I am, you are, we are a tabernacle for the holy, like a box holding God. And or a love shack, baby. I love saying that. Or or like, right? So does that so when when that happens to me, when I when I feel that kinetic emotional, full, me and God, and me and the world, because it not, doesn't feel like just me and God, but me and the world are synced up around mm-hmm. spirit, that's mm-hmm. joy, joy, joy down in my soul. Yeah. You know, so I want to add something to something I said earlier, because you you really, you um, inspired me, reminded mm-hmm. me of something. You ever see Chariots of Fire? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Like back yes. in the, I don't even right. know what was it, the 80s that when Chariots of Fire came long out? long time ago, but we won't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gosh, only two, but great. I saw it. No, I'm kidding. Such a great movie. <laughs> yeah, right? I know you were only two. An excellent movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, an I mean, wow. Movie. How old was I? I was like, oh, my Lord. So, But it was really, it was it was an, it was was a very influential movie for me because I was, an, I was a theater person before I was ever a theologian or activist or anything like that. And when, and... You know, when I watched that, and he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? Really, what he's talking about is vocation. Yep. He's Correct. talking about calling, like when, you, yes. when you're in the flow, when yes. you are walking in the right. direction that God created you to walk, like yep. that God was dreaming of when God made you, when you're doing that, when you're running, when you're flying, when you're, when you're doing the preaching, art, when singing, you're doing preaching, yeah. when you're doing yeah. it, yeah. right? Yeah. Wow, like that's when you feel God's pleasure. For me, that's when I'm in joy. And that's, so I, and, and I think I'm more in that space now than ever before, because I actually do feel like I'm right in the flow. Like I'm right in that place that where God created me for this. And in order to get here, I had to say no to yeah. a lot. I had to say yes, yes, yes. no to yep. working for other people, doing stuff I loved, but, but doing stuff um, toward their vision, right? And I just, right. God was calling me to start Freedom Road, and it took me two years to actually say yes to leaving the former thing. And then when I, d- I had no idea what I was, I really didn't know what I was going to be going into at all. I just knew I was saying no to that. And then literally, like the day that I gave my my um, my final day's notice, my final day, like I told them what my final day would be, which was like four months from that point, um, that day. I got the aha, the, oh, this is what I want to do. Oh, you know, so what, what I found and it's part of the faith thing and is that when you walk forward, God really does shine light on the very next step. So I have, it's been a faith journey. And at the same time, I really am living my best life. I'm doing it. I'm doing the, I'm doing the, what I want to do, and what I was created filled. to do. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's beautiful. 
One of the things that happened when I was dating the man who mansplained to me the joy was different than happiness, and I was like, okay, whatever. I, I oh, gosh. You, but, but, the, but there was a way in which, I mean, Lisa, you and I are people of faith, and many of the people who listen to the podcast are going to be people of faith. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm always, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm always trying to stretch out the good things that that keep me sane into the world mm-hmm. of people who don't necessarily have that, didn't have our upbringing, didn't have a chance to taste God that way, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. So I was thinking about joy as a feeling of freedom, mm-hmm. of bounce back, mm-hmm. of contentment. Um, I love how when in Spanish, contentada just sounds like better than contentment, but <laughs> wonder, yeah. you know, and a reservoir mm. of goodness that makes you rock back and forth and hug yourself. That reservoir yeah. of goodness or the reservoir of godness, That's good. right? That's or the good. reservoir yeah. of love that you're describing mm-hmm. when you know you're kind of in the bosom of that. Uh, yeah. Laying yeah. In, and, in it, right? In it yeah. somehow. That goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that feels I, like joy. And I would say that I mean, here's the thing: is that when we are, when we encounter the things that try to steal joy, mm-hmm. right the the mountains of life, um, the disappointments, the the hurts from other people, yeah, um, the loss. I mean, life life and another whole part of life is loss. Life is loss. Right. Um, you are constantly losing people, things, mm-hmm. um, opportunities. I mean. Every, we lose. We lose our health over time, right? Like everything. So when you encounter that, I think that the thing that that brings me back to the joy, even in the midst of that, right, is especially when, when you're hurt by someone else, mm-hmm. it's the empathy, it's the practices, the spiritual practices that I've learned over time that actually anchor me. I think they really do serve as an anchor. So it's the practice of prayer and being connected in my core self with with spirit, with God. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the practice of empathy for my enemy, for the one who has just messed with me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Who's just gotten all my stuff. I do Um, know what you mean. it's, It's the practice of letting go. Yeah. Surrender. Letting go of the things that are running from you, right? Or the people who are running from you. or, um, And I think also acceptance, because sometimes God, I do, I believe this, sometimes God body blocks you from the stuff that you should have, that you think you should have. But I think God knows that if you did get that, you would actually miss your actual blessing. Like you would miss um, the purpose for being, you. it was like, it would be a detour. It's not actually Mm -hmm. meant for you. And that's okay. So it's, it's letting it go, allowing it to go. Yeah. You I know? hear that, my friend. I do. And yeah. I I was trying to think about, um, you know, I was just trying to think as you were talking there about, I I, I believe that in some ways, you, you and I are in an ongoing conversation about like coming out of evangelical, right? You know? Oh God, yeah. Right? <laughs> we, yeah. Lisa and Jackie are talking about that. Uh, and yeah. I remember that as I, Left behind some of the uh, some of the um, beliefs that made me feel impinged or bound or crazy. I also let go just a little bit of God's 
Um, and you're not saying this, so know that I'm not saying you're saying this, but that oh, sense yeah, as no. a little person that it would be like, God's going to order every one of those things for me. Like I'm going to, the boyfriend, the grade, the oh, A. You know yeah, what I'm saying? No. You're not saying that, yeah. but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, get the yeah. A on the test and all that I know stuff, what you mean, right? yeah. Right, and I had there to. There is I, that. There is mm-hmm. that. And, mm-hmm. But that same thing could make me joyless because I'd be like, well, God, I did all the right stuff, and you did not deliver, okay, Mm -hmm. the thing Mm -hmm. that the genie God should deliver since I did all the right stuff. A kind of weird circle, right? Yeah. And then I'd be kind of like salty with God. Mm -hmm. So I had to change my, I mean, my joy increased, Lisa, Hmm. when I changed my um, contract with God. Wow. That, like, and Hmm. I had a, I had a congregant. I had to do this exercise with this congregant who lost, like, mm. I don't know, all kinds of eight, ten loved ones in about a year. And she was furious, and she was doubtful, and she was depressed. And I was like, I think you're mad at God. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. You don't think you should be, but you are, because you did mm-hmm. all those good girl things, and you think God failed you. So mm-hmm. Jackie had to go to myself at a point. Your contract with God is wrong. You think if you do all the good things, God's going to give you all the good things, and then you're going to have a joyful life. Instead, if you just walk with God more closely, you might not get any of the stuff you think you're supposed to have, Mm -hmm. but you will feel this holy presence bathing you, or this presence loving you, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's been like... Oh, well, that went crazy. The building burned down. It did burn down. A younger Jackie yeah. Lisa would have wondered what God was trying to say with that fire. Oh, that's a lot, wow. that, that's a lot to do to God, to make God like responsible like that, right? Wow. But instead, wow. I have wow. found so many moments of giggles and joy and satisfaction in this interstitial place without a congregation, without a space for my wow. congregation. I find the joy in the presence. Does that make sense to you? Does that resonate? Absolute sense. Yes, it does. Where I resonate with that, for me, the place of probably the greatest, and it's not really a loss because I never really had it, but it was the dream of marriage, right? So, I mean, I'm still, hey, people, I'm still, you know, out here, I'm single, (laughs) and I'm open, but it it took me a long time to get here. Yes. um, To that place where I'm open, right? And I think that... For me, what I realized is that I, and this is a recent revelation, literally in the last year, that I, um, I filled my life with with authoritarian evangelicalism because it was the closest thing that was to my dad, which was an, he was an authoritarian, yeah. right? And so, mm. and, and and so that's what mm-hmm. that's what brought me toward it, right? And kept me Got there it. also is that sure. it had hard boundaries. Everything was black and white. It made it much easier to determine what's right and wrong and all of that. Mm-hmm. But sure it was in that. that context that I also learned my body is evil, um, my sexuality is evil, and I'm heterosexual. But that that was evil. <laughs> like, yeah, being a heterosexual you know, is evil too. I, yeah, I'm <laughs> cisgendered, and you know, but like just basically having asexuality was evil in that context. Wow. Wow. Um, and and so I degendered myself basically in order to be safe in that environment, not for me to be safe from others, but for me to be safe for others. Hello, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was in a mostly white um, uh, space. And in order for me to gain 
um, girlfriends who had husbands, I had to not have a gender because I couldn't be a threat to them. Right. And if I had, um, and and if I wanted to have friends who were guys, they weren't going to date me. And if they thought I was trying to date them, they wouldn't really be friends. So I had to kind of degender myself and kind of walk wow. around as if I had no sexuality at all wow, in order to have friends, cool. right, in that space. Wow. And, and that, yes. Wow, honey, that's <laughs> and that really did, it really, really did do, it did, it did a number on me. And so, so I think what I've realized is that like, that's been, that has been my loss. Because when I was, when I was 17, I was dreaming of having a child at 21. Like wow. I wanted to have a kid at 21. Wow. I mean, because that's when my mom had me at 21. Right. And so yeah. I, I'd always imagined that I would get married and have kids and like, mm-hmm. that would be it. But that isn't the way that it worked out. And I can't say, like, if I was if I was a Calvinist, right, I would say, well, this is predestination. That God, that's this has been God's plan all along. And so, you know, now you just it's just up for you to live in God's plan. God never meant for you to be married. Well, you know what? That's bull donkey. Yes, it is. That's <laughs> it's bull donkey. There's lots of reasons why I'm not married, some of which are because they are self-imposed because of my own brokenness. Others right. are because they are imposed by others because of their brokenness. Um, but none and, of it God walking thinking Lisa shouldn't get married. No. Yeah, right. no. I mean, and, and also marriage ain't everything. I mean, right. the reality, you know what I mean? It's like we, right. we it's it's kind of mixed up. It's almost like chicken soup. It's all mixed up. And and we can get mixed up in that chicken soup and think chicken soup is the only soup, right? Um but at the same time, I do know that um, the whole point of telling you this was I do know that 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 feeling that that's the place where I go to God. That's still the place where I feel longing, right? Mm. So the longings of our heart are what drive us in life. Mm-hmm. The longings of our heart. I long for I long for three major things. I long to be united with someone in spirit and in flesh. I, I long for that. Yeah. Um, and as a companion, a lifelong companion, a husband, I long mm-hmm. for that. I long, and I know this is going to sound really, really um, uh, corny, but it's true. I long for peace. I mm-hmm. long for justice. Yes. I long for shalom. Mm-hmm. I long for the peaceable reign of God. I long for yes, that. Yes, yes, That doesn't sound corny. Do. Pray, pray, preach, do it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I long for the reunification of my own family mm-hmm. where brokenness and broken relationships and broken trust have shattered my family. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my mom and dad, you know, my mom, you know, basically... We had, we my mom divorced when I was ten and then divorced again when I was about thirty seven, mm-hmm. maybe forty something. When was that? That was two thousand fourteen. So whatever. Right. <laughs> so like not that long ago, right? So but we had a blended family that then basically got blown to smithereens because mm-hmm. of sin, because of folks' yeah. sin, you know. Mm-hmm. And but I long, mm-hmm. you know, for okay. my family to be reunited and healthy, not in the way that it was. And healthy. But I so so Lisa. I have no yeah. choice. Yeah. I have no choice but those longings. Yeah. But to believe and trust in a God that's larger than myself, because none of the three of them are within my control. Yeah, that's I None hear that. And I said, really, the the yearning of the des- the desires of your heart. I I'm so grateful for your vulnerability and just saying those out loud. 
Mm-hmm. I think there's something that kind of circles us back to the top of the conversation about just how mm-hmm. is the truth that both sets us free? Is the truth mm-hmm. and being naked and honest and, and vulnerable that kind of let us put out in the universe, this is what I want, God, this is what I want, yeah. world, this is what I need? And mm-hmm. I think that it is the that truth-telling, owning the yearning, plus the gratitude even for the good and the bad and the ugly that is like a mm-hmm. stew that makes joy. No, so, yeah. words, joy isn't, oh, everything's shiny, you know. That's but, right. But the no. joy is, I know that, you know, the gospel, my Redeemer liveth, or I know there's a God yes. who loves me no matter what, right? Or I know that yes. there is something inside and outside of us that's a compelling force of love that mm. is present in the world, and then we can look for it. And we can see it. Like we can look for it and we can see it. Yeah. I'm reminded yeah. of that kind of joy when I think about our ancestors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I think Absolutely. about the black church and I think about the black mothers in the church who sang. Yeah, and they yeah, don't yeah. sing, they sang, right? That's like right. <laughs> and they sing, they draw from the deepest part of their being. And yeah. they sing with the power of a Mack truck. And you know that before that Sunday, that they had some tragedy in their in their family's life. You know, Bay Bay got picked up by the police, right. or somebody lost a job, right. or a check didn't come in. And so they had to figure out how to how to you know feed yep. the kids how that to make week. it happen. But but that church mama, she sings, and she sings from a place that makes me reach down and believe yep. that God is going to come through. And you're right; that that is that that's that reservoir. That's yeah, that's, that's the, the reservoir, reservoir yep. that I was yep. talking about earlier. That's the location of our joy. That's where it is, and I and I hope that our conversation inspires folks to just think: how how, how can I access that? You know, um, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to be multivocal. I think I can access that in my prayer. I can access it in my singing. Maybe someone else can access that on a yoga mat. I don't know. Maybe someone's going to eat mindfully and be like, this grape is the best grape I've ever had in my life. And when I feel that burst on my tongue, I'm going to be like, woo, I get, I get a little taste of it. Mm. Lisa, Mm. let me, let me just bring us a little bit to, to close here after having such, such, such a great conversation with you. I'm so glad to be Mm. getting to know you this way. Um, what do you know for sure about love? Mm. What I know for sure about love mm-hmm. is that love is more powerful than power. Ooh, that's good. Love is more powerful than power. Come on, mm-hmm. everybody. <laughs> Write that down. It's true. And when, and when I say, it is true, when I say fierce love, what does that evoke in you? Fierce love evokes in me a picture of a warrior Hmm. with the sword of love that um, Hmm. we can overcome our enemies, making Hmm. them into companions with the force of love. And I don't just mean that on an individual level, but I also mean that societally. Um, I mean that in the in the realm of the public square, that as we confront those who would who would rather see us dead, but mm. we, I'll tell you what, I, I see it in the picture of myself standing there in the 
Emancipation Park in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. And standing across from a man who carried an AR-15. And he was a militiaman. And I stood across from him like for a good hour, just singing and praying. And I, I finally looked at him at one point and I said to him, excuse me, come over here. Excuse me, can you come here for a second? And he looked at me and he was like, not coming over. So instead, I just said it loud. I said, I want you to know something. I love you. I love you. We love you. And you know what he said? What did he say? He said, I know. I love you too. Oh, wow. Can (laughs) you believe that? And do you know what? Within five minutes, he wasn't there anymore. (laughs) They took him off that line. But that's love is more powerful than power and love is our it's both our battle shield and our sword yep beautiful lisa well lisa sharon harper my friend of three names (laughs) i'm so grateful for this conversation with you and sending you every good wish for the fiercest love of all to keep you and guard you thank Thank you. you Rumi says, when you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. So whether it's sitting down to a cup of coffee with a friend, or cheese and grape plate for yourself, or listening to your favorite jam and dancing, pick something that gives you joy and run toward it. It will feed your soul.